0: Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse for even though they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened professing to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for the image, for in image in the form of corruptible men and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen and father we do thank you for your word we pray lord that you would help us now in jesus name we pray amen so so we are entering a section of romans that is the sort of the main body and the opening section goes from chapter 1 verse 18 all the way to romans chapter 3 verse 20 paul is essentially making this case that all humanity every single person has fallen short of the glory of god that we are sinful and we stand guilty before a righteous god this passage especially next week there are many churches in our nation that would not allow these verses to be taught they would shy away from them there are there are threats from our nation against um the christian church uh, for teaching it, or there's sort of like a looming cloud that there could be repercussions uh, for the things that are taught. Um, so a lot of pastors won't address this, and I'm I'm thankful that we are a church that values the Bible that we go book by book. I don't have the freedom to pick and choose. Once I I have a freedom to pick and choose a book, so I picked Romans, and uh, but I don't have the hey we're just going to fast forward over this section. We have to handle it because this is God's word, and so. I am merely a messenger trying to convey God's revelation to us. I'm a fallible man. And this passage is sort of how do we handle it in love and truth? What is it saying? Ultimately, Paul is making his case that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, In order to understand the good news, we have to have clarity on the bad news. Uh, Many evangelists from the days of old would often say that they would spend 90% 90% of their time focusing on the bad news of the condition of the human spirit so that they could then present the good news. So often we read these passages and think, go, oh, I don't like this because God's trying to, to hook me. He's trying to, to show I'm guilty or to make me guilty. But the reality is, is we're all hooked. We're all guilty. We're, and the Bible's trying to show us our, our condition so that we can do something about it. As a SEAL instructor, one of the things that I most enjoyed about my almost four years as a SEAL instructor was the pre-Hell Week service. When I checked in as an instructor, there was always this this sort of the chaplain ran a pre-Hell Week um, service. It was like, you know, the rabbit's foot for a lot of students. And uh, I never went. As a student, I went to one because I was willing to try anything to get me through the SEAL training. And then as an instructor, I was now a A pastor kind of in transition to being becoming a pastor and for the first few classes that i was there i didn't go and then i became a proctor where i was like the mother hen of the class and i'd asked this chaplain he was a brand new chaplain i said hey do you mind if i uh if i say something if i come in and share a few words kind of like about my testimony and where i've come from and he was like sure no problem i that would be really good what do you want to say? And I was like, well, we'll just, uh, just a little about me. And because not every chaplain's created the same, and I didn't know where he was, and I didn't want him to tell me no, so I tried to keep it, oh, I'm just going to go in there and kind of share a little about me. And he's like, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good. So I went in there and I presented the whole gospel and shared my story, kind of presented the gospel and said, well, now, who, did any of you guys believe? Like, I, you know, I'm definitely not a Billy Graham or anything like that they like half the kids like slipped their hands up in the air and i was like oh no like what do you do like i'm not gonna ask that question anymore because i like <laughs> i mean it's kind of like i feel like it's more for me and I, i'm not following up so there's no need to really ask the question and so then i'm like well i tried to get a note of who the guys were so i could pray for them and kind of like harass them later on and uh after the thing the chaplain's like hey um we need to talk and i'm like oh no And and he's like, well, we can get together after Hell Week, and and we can talk then. And I'm like, no, I don't handle, like, we got to talk, talk. I don't handle that well. So, like, what do you want to talk to me about? Am I in trouble? Did I go too far? And he's like, no, man, we need to figure out a way of how we can follow up with these guys. This is awesome. And so we had three years of just this wonderful ministry of working together, kind of presenting the gospel. Then when I got out of the Navy, I lost access to going onto the base a new chaplain had come and and he let me onto the base it only happened once that i after i got the navy to continue this ministry and i before the the students came in i was sort of that uncomfortable sort of chitter-chattering trying to figure out where the guy was and he was from an extremely liberal denomination in the united states and we started talking about little things like communion and and he didn't really want to Do a lot of the things that we'd done before. He said, "I don't want to talk about sin, and it's just uncomfortable, and it's not really kind and nice." And I said, "Well, what are some of the issues in your denomination? Like, what are you guys like facing right now?" Because he was kind of proud of his liberalness, and and he said, "Oh yeah, well, right now we're in the process of you know ordaining like lesbian women, like that, like as ministers that are actively in relationships. This is a big thing." And I was like, "Oh really?" And I. I kind of was one of these times i like, well, I probably shouldn't um, ask the question, <laughs> but I did. Anyhow, <laughs> I was like, well, where do you stand on that issue? And he was like, oh, I totally support it. Yeah, like we just need to be loving and like to be like to say that their sin is just like and I recognized in our conversation that that my ministry of sharing the gospel and helping these young men who are going through the seal program was going to end because this man didn't believe in the ultimate like depravity of humanity that we stand before condemned before god that our sin is serious and when you have that viewpoint there's no need for a savior because you're not condemned and so there's no drive to share the good news they're essentially allowing people to walk around with terminal cancer and but they're saying you're fine you're fine and so today's text in the next few weeks the issue is we have to understand the bad news to truly appreciate the good news and as we work through this passage we're constrained Uh, we're We're limited by a couple of things that I want us to keep at the forefront of our thinking. As we work through these difficult passages this week and next week in particular, we're constrained by Romans chapter 2 verse 1, which says, Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge one another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same thing. So as Paul's writing this condemnation for the Gentiles, for the barbarians, he sees his Jewish brethren puff their chest up and say they are terrible sinners, not like us, God's chosen people. And he says, no, you are just like them. If you turn your page to Romans chapter three, verse nine. Really 9 through 20, he kind of is concluding this section. But as he lands, he makes these, this sweeping statement as if it's a, a fishing net capturing all of humanity. And he says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. And he continues, we all are guilty. None of us didn't pass the bar. We all think, well, I'm okay. I'm a good person compared to so-and-so. But the standard isn't the horizontal plane of other humanity, our standard is God's perfect holiness. And so as we go through this passage, I would ask you to guard yourself from saying, oh, I really wish so-and-so was here because this would be great for them to hear. Oh, I'm going to get the CD and pass it on or I'm going to go tell them to go this link. And that's okay. We, it's so It's good to do that. But when we come to the text, when I read this, I'm thinking, God, you're speaking to Gunnar. This is, this is true of me. And it's true of you. And so we come laying our hearts before the Lord on this. And so the first thing we come across is verse 18. He begins with this phrase. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. I'm finding that in the first three weeks of Romans, I think for all of Romans, what's going to happen is i'm going to be required to sort of go back to the previous section that even as i'm starting here and i know where we're going to end i i can't sort of just kind of take them compartmentalized. they they're so integrated with the previous section that i have to go back i know that the last two verses that we're covering today next week i'm going to start with those two verses and sort of overlap and so when i see this for the wrath of god is revealed i think ah that sounds That Something about this seems really similar. Well, if we go back up to verse 17, we read, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So we see that word revealed. So two things are revealed. They sort of tie together. We're going to back up to verse 17 for in it. What was the it? This is when we study our Bibles, we have to. What's he talking about? What's the it that he's talking about for in it. The righteousness of God is revealed. To find that answer we go back up to verse 16. He says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek." So first Paul says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." The gospel, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 3 and 4, is that Christ died according to scriptures for your sin, for my sin. That he was buried. And then on the third day he rose according to scripture. And then in believing in him we could have life. That's the gospel. So Paul's not ashamed of the gospel. For in it it's the power of God. The dynamic of God to transform a life. And then he says and in it. The gospel. The righteousness of God. Is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written. But the righteous man shall live by his faith. Or by faith, I quoted Habakkuk, he, he's the salvation, our holiness, our right standing before God comes through faith. It's God's grace given to us through faith in Christ that we're declared righteous, not by our own works. And as he talks about the righteousness of God being imputed or credited to our account through faith, he then goes to the other side of the coin, the bad news. And he says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. So from heaven, there's another revelation, this wrath of God. And, and wrath is a word that we don't, I don't know what you think of when you hear wrath. In the Greek, there's two words. The first word is thumos, which is the, the, the wrath that normally is associated with humanity. That that to get red in the face, to blow hot air, to explode with sort of unpredictability at the the wind goes one direction and you just rah! we all know people like that because you are one like we all like like we all struggle with it as some of us worse than others but it's just this sort of rage that explodes without control without any sort of discipline thumas that's not the word that's used here the word that's used here is orge now orge is this is what one uh, lexicon defines as orge, which signifies an indignation that has risen gradually and has become more settled. Its original meaning was connected with plants and fruits and their swelling with juice until they finally burst. And so it's this, this wrath, this, this as observation is being made as it's concerning to God. That he sees the sinfulness of humanity and he's not happy with it. But he's not blowing his, he's not flipping his lid and going crazy on us. He's, It's this holy, righteous wrath that's slowly building. That one day he is going to unleash this wrath. We look at 2 Peter 3, 9, which we're going to look at. The believers or the, the people during that period of, of Peter's time, as Christians were being slaughtered. The non-believers were mocking them and saying, where's your God's wrath? When's he going to come protect you? All of this stuff, this this day of of judgment, it's never going to come. And Peter says, don't count God as slackness for God is patient because he desires that all people would come to salvation so god's great love is sort of restraining that he's working that he's giving us every last chance to come to faith in christ uh, back to verse 17 for the gospel the righteousness of god is revealed and in the cross we see god's wrath and his love displayed in its perfect it's a perfect picture of god's wrath and his mercy dr barnhouse says this at the cross is revealed the righteousness of god and the wrath of god the gospel thus becomes a startling and positive warning of great danger to those who refuse the mercy of god and at the same time it is the faithful assurance of delivery and safety to those who accept the warning we talk about the the gospel being free that salvation is free But if we back up and we, who's Jesus? Jesus is God. Jesus is without sin. And on the cross, what was happening to him? Every sin of all time, every sin that was ever committed by all people was placed upon him. That he stood and paid the penalty of the wrath of God that was due all of us. We need to understand God's great his wrath how really because in understanding god's wrath we come to terms with how sinful we are and how bad our sin is according to god's standard so for the wrath of god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness and so this, this wrath that's being revealed is, is towards men who suppress the idea of, of holding something down. And they're holding down the truth. Now the truth, by the context where we'll get that, the, they're, they're not holding down, it's not the gospel. They're not saying that the death, burial, and resurrection of, of Jesus, that's not true. They're not talking about specific revelation. They're generally putting down the overriding truth of what god has revealed and our understanding of god is critical because as we misunderstand who god is or we distort who god is ultimately it affects how we treat other people failure to give god his due inevitably results in failure to treat people created by god in his image the right way and so as they take general revelation which we'll look at in a second they're taking this truth they're suppressing it and they're denying what god has revealed about himself and ultimately this is where god's wrath is is growing he goes on to say um, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness verse 19 because that which is known about god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world His invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. And so he says what they're suppressing, Paul, as he writes, and he looks out at humanity of all time. They say, well, he says God has revealed himself to us that as you look around, you can see God's hand in everything. But he says that God's made it clearly evident to them that it's, it's not that they can't find it. It's clear. But since the creation of the world, they've denied, they've suppressed the evidence for his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature. And he says, you can clearly understand it, and yet they suppress it. As I look through verse 20, this is, I love this verse because it reminds me of one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 19. And if you'll turn back to Psalm 19. And here the psalmist writes concerning creation. And what Paul is touching upon here. The truth that they're suppressing is this. That we're suppressing is this. Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens are. Are telling of the glory of God. You get this, this telling that they're speaking, that as the heavens bear witness to creation, they say it's just telling of the glory of God. And their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through the whole, through all the world and their utterances to the end of the world back to back to romans and so when paul says he says listen creation is declaring that there's a god uh, even before i was a christian i would stand on the beach looking out at the ocean most of the times i was in the water surfing on a surfboard and seeing the sun go around and the waves and it was just There was something that I didn't have words for, but but this just didn't happen that you can feel you can sense God's presence in the midst of this or to be up on the mountain and to to look out over creation to be in an airplane at 30,000 feet to look out for the astronauts that when they went to the moon. I I recently saw like a documentary. I think somebody died or was an anniversary. I forget exactly what it was. But they were blown away being up in space. And the thing that stood out to them was the beautiful color of the earth. That, that all the other planets, it was just black and gray and white. And there was no, but then the earth, there was something special. And they were just enamored with God had to be involved in this. And Paul says that the heavens are declaring the beauty of the lord his invisible attributes his eternity he exists and to deny his existence is suppressing the truth and what i see from these passages is that general revelation is enough to condemn us before god that you can look out at this world and say god didn't create this this is just a bunch of atoms that collided That's enough to condemn you to eternity separated from God. Now, general revelation is not enough to save you. You can't be saved just by looking at the ocean. I mean, God could do other things. You need the gospel. And we're going to look at this difficult passage coming up in a few weeks or probably a few months. In Romans chapter 10, Paul makes this case that that why do we support missionaries? because they need to hear the message of the gospel to be saved this is an important passage we we're 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 committed to missions from a biblical perspective not just because we think it's fun to travel and we like other cultures but because we believe that people need to know christ to to be saved and i'll get more into that there i'm really torn to like cover that but just as a little like just as a little like to keep you guys interested for the next 10 months I believe that with general revelation, if you're in a, you're a tribal person down in wherever, no access to the world, but you look out at creation and you think there has to be a God. God had to do this. I believe you're not going to find this in the scripture, but I believe from what I've, my understanding of the word of God is that if you're that person out in the middle of nowhere, with no access to the outside world, that if your heart believes from general revelation, then at that point, God's obligated by his nature and his character to get you the message of the gospel, however he chooses. Now, that's, but we hear stories from the mission field all the time about, you know, there's one story of a lady that was on top of a hill and a missionary was like, I don't want to go there. I don't want, I feel compelled to go there. Everybody's like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. And then as soon as they went, there was a woman who said, I've been, I've been praying. You have a message for me. I've been waiting for 10 years or whatever. And I believe that God will respond to these people that respond positively to general revelation. But that's, I got way ahead, like 10 chapters ahead. It's not about God being fair. We don't want to deal with God fairly. <laughs> fairly is not a good thing. We deal with a gracious and merciful God, one who wants all people to come to salvation. He's working harder than any of us will ever work to bring people to Christ. He says, so they are without excuse. You know, I touch on the fairness thing. We hear that it's just not fair. Why is there only one way? We don't want fairness with God. Fairness with God is we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We are sinful by nature. We are sinful not only by nature, but we're sinful in practice. Fair is you do the crime, you pay the time. Fair is that we're all condemned. My question is, why in the world would God get us out of the mess? And the answer to that is because of His great love for us. We we are not without excuse. But the world around us is suppressing the truth. Tomorrow night and Tuesday night, if you're interested, <laughs> so Shadow Mountain Community Church, my seminary, Southern California Seminary, is hosting in, in, in their sanctuary an origins uh, seminar. It's free. It's down in El Cajon. And they're bringing in scientists from Answers in Genesis and ICR. And they're doing a two-night seminar on the importance of Genesis and the scientific data supporting the creation accounts found in Genesis from a literal six-day creation perspective. I'm going to this not necessarily because I want to, but I've been witnessing to a cop for a long, long time, and he had a bunch of questions about this. He's not even antagonistic. He just has legitimate questions. I'm like, I don't really... I've kind of reached my place, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable, and I you know i'd rather talk about other stuff and i found out about this seminar so i said hey brother if you really want if you want to go to this thing i'll go with you kind of going oh please don't let him say i want to go don't he's like no no i want to go it's like oh great so so instead of me going for a ride along with him he's going for a ride along with me to this creation seminar and i'm sure it's going to be very interesting hearing about molecular stuff and whatever and and uh it gets to be like charlie brown for me like what 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 the teacher like they lose me on all this stuff but the thing that fascinates me these guys are top of the line scientists most of them that were in the secular field of study and science says that They're unbiased. They just take in the data and then they spit it out and whatever it says. That is so far from the truth. There is a major, major, major suppression of the truth. There's one scientist, I don't know his name, he was studying and he was, as Mount St. Helen exploded, he was not a believer. And he was the Mount St. Helen expert where he watches the whole thing explode and over the course of the next few years, he's looking at the catastrophic damage from mount saint helens he discovers like man it created like a a scale of one to 40 of of the grand canyon and he starts collecting all of his evidence through the process he starts going there this is not something we've ever considered that this is this is kind of sort of like a catastrophic flood that the bible gives account for i need to start collecting the data and so he starts doing all of the scientific stuff with blind studies through the process he became a believer that there's scientific evidence for a six-day creation with everything from how the 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 grand canyon thing came to existence and all of this stuff and as he pitches this evidence in his dissertation he's essentially kicked out of the scientific world they said you can't work for us because you're supporting that there's a creator we're not even talking jesus we're just talking that there's a creator this is the suppression of the truth that we're talking about And it's going to be fascinating tomorrow. I got to like pump myself up to hear about the nickel on the ocean floor and all of this stuff. And and uh, but this is what Paul's talking about. This text is so relevant for today. Our whole world from the news to schools. There's this suppression of God and what he's revealed. He's slowly being kicked out of the schools if maybe not slowly but he's being suppressed and paul says that they have suppressed him they're without excuse it's clearly seen just talking to joel who went through knee surgery he's doing great he walks in he's like i'm so blown away with the human body like i have this surgery and to see how your body is it works to repair itself uh, to, to have a child, to see anything, to think that this just happened. This is it's a it's overwhelming when we look at the evidence, like you cut yourself and your body heals itself. Like, I, I can't tell you how that happens. But to think that it just sort of learned to do it on its own is like we don't drive by houses and go, that's Amazing. That house just formed itself, like it's, you know, the illustrations of finding a watch on the beach. Oh man! Like through the years, the millions of years of washing, all of a sudden, a Seiko watch appeared on the beach in perfect order. This is the this is what evolution tells us. Clearly, things with the detail of a of one DNA strand is so overwhelming that. There had to be something greater that created that. And that's what the Bible tells us. But the world, humanity, ourselves, we deny that. It takes more faith in, in many respects. And so he says they are without excuse. Verse 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor, that word literally is glorify him. They did not honor or glorify him as God or give thanks because they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened professing to be wise. They became fools. Almost always. When I tell people that we had Romans one, like I'm like, Oh yeah, we have that Romans chapter one, a verse from Romans one engraved in Anna's engagement ring. They always say, Oh, is it Romans one 22 uh, <laughs> professing to be wise? They became fools <laughs> and exchange the glory of an incorruptible God for the image and the form of corruptible man and of birds of the air, and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So from here we see, for even though they knew God, I didn't plan on talking about the whole Romans 10 thing. But but at one point, as we follow the biblical account, from Adam and Eve, they knew God. Then we have the Tower of Babel. They all knew God. And then the Tower of Babel, humanity was spread and things change, but, but eventually there was a breakdown of communicating from one generation to the next generation about who God is. And so we have a great responsibility to share about God with the, the generation below us, with our children, with the younger people in the church. To the younger people in the church, whether or not they're your kids, they look at you, older church-going people, and you're their image of God. Which <laughs> That's a terribly frightening thing. When you have a little thumas experience and you have an explosion like, oh, don't 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 hold God respond. That's my sin. You know, to, to explain things in this way, they knew God. But then somewhere there was a breakdown to where knowing God wasn't passed on and they didn't honor or glorify him as God. And then there's this or give thanks that we, we could very easily pass this over. Being thankful people is one of the most important things that we can do as humans. Uh, giving thanks is like the antidote for so much other stuff. And when you, no matter what you're going through, stressing out about medical stuff, employment, uh, what, what other things do we stress out about? Relationships. Like instead of just complaining, to say, no, I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to write down a list of things that I'm thankful to God for. And I guarantee as you begin to give thanks for all that is done, your heart begins to change. But if we don't give thanks and we are grumbling people, like you read all about through Israel, that they they grumbled all through the Old Testament. God struck them down. They repented. They came through. Then a couple of years goes by. And then they grumble again. And the whole cycle starts itself. If we would just practice being thankful people, I think we would stay out of all kinds of trouble. But they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for the image in the form of corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and crawly creatures. And going down to verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So there's this whole process to where God has been such a good and gracious God that they they stop knowing God. They stop giving thanks to God. They start worshiping things that God has given to us. We see this all over the place. Oh, this is a beautiful ocean. This is a beautiful world we live in. We have the mountains. We have the ocean. We can go skiing. We can go to the beach. We can, you name it. There's so much in creation that's just a wonderful thing. And to say, Lord, thank you for providing this environment for us. We have so much to be grateful for. We forget about God. We stop giving thanks to God. And we say, oh, look at the earth. Look at the ocean. Man, Mother Earth. It's so powerful, so wonderful. We start worshiping the creator. We take our eyes off of him and we start looking at the blessing. And then we end up in a very dangerous place because then things come and go. You could be blessed, but God could take it all away. But then when it gets taken away, suddenly your God goes away. Your bank account could be nice and fat one day. Then the next day you have a, an emergency. Everything goes away. It's like, oh, there went my God. There went my security. There went my hope. There went all my comfort. But if we go, no, God, I give you thanks that I had the money there to provide. Lord, if I don't even have the money there to provide. But, Lord, I trust you for this. And I know that you're working through this. Lord, give me wisdom. But it says twice, verse 23 and 25, that they exchanged this good God for the incorruptible. Fantasy football stuff that I I, I do enjoy it's a lot of fun it was really funny i was on a ride-along last monday night talking to a couple cops about football and we started talking about fantasy football and this other officer like walked out and i don't know what she thinks about chaplains or what her image is but she's like what are you talking about he's like oh fantasy football she's like you're talking to fantasy football with the man in the cloth and i'm like i don't know what you think about the man in the cloth but that's like whatever your thoughts are that's not me like i uh, I see I I play fantasy football and I'm a horrible loser and and I'm a horrible fantasy football person. Early in the year, I had Tom Brady for half of you that don't Tom Brady almost made it to the 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 Super Bowl. He didn't. didn't. Her (laughs) Ravens took him out. Tom Brady is like one of the all time greatest quarterbacks in football. I had him. There's another guy that had Phillip Rivers, San Diego Chargers. They won their first game. I think Phillip's going to have a great year this year. Hey, would you like to trade Philip Rivers for Tom Brady? Uh, so I gave up Tom Brady by my own choice to get Philip Rivers. And Dan Kidder's just looking at me like going, Gunner, Gunner, Gunner. Like, I thought, what are you thinking? What? You realize what you just did? I'm like, oh, <laughs> This is exactly what humanity's done. We have the Creator, and we said, You know what? I'm going to trade the greatest thing. God, the Creator and Sustainer of the universe, I'm going to trade him for an incorruptible God, a God that I created with my little hands. I think it was in Isaiah. It was one of the fun, I don't even know what chapter is in. They say, Isaiah, the prophet, says, Man cuts down a tree, takes half of the tree, and makes an idol and he worships it. And the other half, he uses to barbecue his dinner. Like, how foolish are you people? And he says that they've, they've exchanged this God for this distortion of God. And they've put themselves in this huge, huge pit. And that's all of us. And in verse four, 24, what I skipped over this, therefore, God gave them over We see it again in verse 26 for this reason God gave them over verse 28 God gave them over to a depraved mind. This is what we're going to cover next week, but but I have to I have to touch this God gave them over. I'm worried to make any note on this this week. I have my thoughts about God giving them over and in undoubtedly i'm going to go study all this week and i'm going to have to like eat some words next week because i've learned more and my thoughts have changed but but the first thing that i see like as christians there's a lot of tension in my heart even politically what do we what do we get involved in now we submit to our government our government said hey voice your opinion so so in that there's a lot of freedom But there's a lot of stuff where we want to legislate morality and biblical things. And what I see in Romans 1 is as God sees man slipping, what he does is he says, well, I'm going to reserve my my wrath. I'm going to continue working on them, but I'm going to let you go. We see God just letting humanity go. Indulge yourself. I'll be here for you for for so long, but eventually the time's going to be up. I don't know. I'm going to work that thought out. So I'm going to you know don't hold me too accountable to that. So, but I'm just like seeing this this it's going to get really bad in verses 26 through 32. And 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 before we jump all over the homosexuality thing in these verses, and skim over that they're disobedient to their parents. <laughs> Like I don't see Christians making a big uproar. Like, look at these kids—they're disobedient. They're pinching their parents. We need to legislate this: that every kid that's disobedient to his parents, we need to send them to jail. Outlaw disobedience. We love <laughs> Un- unloving, arrogant, boastful, slanderers, gossips. Can you imagine if we started like, like gossip in the church? Sometimes we call this prayer time. <laughs> like like so 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 these are laid out to show the depravity but this god giving them over this was a, a judicial term uh, it, it literally meant a, a divine uh, abandonment a, a, and it's i i forget his name he he was the guy that was a pastor ran for president didn't make it too far um governor sub huckabee and recently he spoke and and i clean away as a pastor what he said was very good he he started talking about how we've totally we we have this fight to remove god from that we want his name removed from our, our 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 money out of the courthouses out of our schools out of everything that that we're suppressing and kicking god out and then when there's any sort of catastrophic event that that a human does what's the first thing where was god in all of this who you been kicking god out for like you've been suppressing he's not forcing himself and it's this judicial sort of like okay you want out you're out you're on your own you're you're liable for your own this this was this phrase these words were used three times for jesus when he was given over to death this judicial abandonment that the wrath of God would abide on the one who knew no sin. It was often used during a court case when the judge finally said, this person is condemned and, and you are going to be sentenced to whatever. Yesterday, I don't even know what. Like, like I turned on the TV and it was on a news station that doesn't normally cover. So I have no idea what it was about, but there was a court case. And it wasn't even like news reporting on the case. It was more like a documentary. And there was a man who was in a suit who was in civilian clothes, free at the time. And it must have been a murder case or something bad. And then as they go through the whole things, the judge finally said, you are guilty and you are going away to prison. And the guy is just sobbing, 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 sobbing. And he's there in his suit and the bailiff comes and places his hands behind his back, hooks him up, as the cops would say, put on handcuffs, and then basically led him away. I have no idea what was going on. But there's a side of me that I hope I never go to prison. You know, like I really like this is one of those things like there's a couple things on my never to do list. (laughs) But I but I when I see stuff like that. I can't even imagine guilty or innocent when, when, when the sentence comes that the jury's come back and you're going away for a long time and you hear the click, click on your wrists. I can't even imagine the, the hopelessness. To go from being a free person in your house, eating whatever you want to eat, doing whatever you want to do, to all of that's taken away and you stand condemned. This is is what this God gave them over means. And the story keeps going. If you'll turn with me to the Romans chapter 3 verse 19 through 20. Where Paul is going, he says now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be closed And all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And there are these phrases like this that I see all through the prophets of the Old Testament, where you get to the crescendo. And the crescendo is shut your mouth and stand there in silence. On New Year's Eve day, going up to Grandpa Hilton's house, the 450-mile journey through Buttonwillow and in the home stretch of the 58, two-lane road with no traffic. Like, if we see one car, we start joking in the car, ooh, there's a big traffic jam. Like, look at that traffic. There. We passed one car in an hour and a half. Four miles from Grandpa Hilton's house, there I am. My bladder's very full. It's like the home stretch. Like, let's just get there. Woo. No, not even happen like that. I make the turnover curve and I see a CHP facing. I immediately said, honey, I'm getting pulled over. And I just pulled over. <laughs> and a guy like whips around. And I'm like, from all my ride lungs, hands on the steering wheel, car off like do you know how fast you're going i'm like i have no clue i'm like sir i'm a chaplain and i know exactly like i've heard all of the excuses like this is where i was going like i'm like just write me the ticket just i don't even need the speech i know i was wrong i'm on the final stretch and then as soon as i said chaplain like i wasn't trying to get out of the ticket oh man apparently he's like facing a lawsuit from a chaplain it was like oh like, he's like, oh, you're just trying to get a ticket. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying to get the ticket. Like, I, I understand. I'm trying not to make excuses. I'm just like, and I'm thinking to myself, just shut up, Gunner. You're turning into one of those guys. It's like pulled over, making all the excuses, tap dancing. Like, I have mean, no, 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 It's like, just shut it. It's just quiet. We get kids that are like this when we're kids. You're guilty. I didn't do it. Crumbs all down. I didn't eat the cookies. Just stop. God wants us all to stand before him. You are. Are sinful. You have sinned. You before a holy God. Now don't look at the person next to you. <laughs> You're not being st- your, your standard is not against the guy that's on death row. <laughs> your standard is against the holy God. He took your sin. He wants you to stand there. Zip your lips. You're guilty. Stop making excuses. And God wants us with our hearts before him, recognizing our condition before him. It's very bad news. One of the greatest revivals in the United States history was preached by Jonathan Edwards, who read his sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. And he described a spider web with a spider dangling on it over this raging fire. And he says, that's us before God. But that spider web is God's grace and we come back to for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. There's great news. You stand condemned, but while you were yet a sinner, we're going to read coming up, Christ died for you. He took your punishment on the cross and through faith, his righteousness, his perfection is credited to your account. Hallelujah. We have so much to be happy for. We have so much to be thankful for. And so if you stand here and you don't know if you're a Christian or you've never trusted in Christ as Savior. You need to understand your condition before God. I used to say, oh, God's just a crutch. I used to say, and I said for a long time, I mean, up until like this week. I'd always say, oh, no, it wasn't a crutch. It's like life support. But really, I heard somebody on the radio say that what God is, he's a defibrillator. That your heart is dead. And God, through believing in Christ, zaps our heart, wakes us up to new life. So through the bad news, you're dead in your sins. You are condemned. We are dead people walking, as they'd say, is the person who hasn't received the death penalty. That when they walk through the prisons, they are referred to dead person walking. Because the sentence has been inflicted on them. Even though they can live and walk and eat, they are dead. That's us before God until we believe upon Christ. And so my prayer is that you come to understand the good news of Christ. That we have so much to be thankful for. Father, we do praise you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a church, Lord, that understands the seriousness of the bad news. That we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us has any righteousness of our own. Only that which Christ has given to us matters. And so, Father, I pray for those that don't know Christ. Lord, that you would help them to connect the dots. Lord, may you show them, Lord, their condition. And, Father, I pray that as they come to understand their their condemned position before you, Lord, that you would show yourself as a loving God. That they would see that as in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, I believe, that it's, we're told that it's the kindness of God that leads you to salvation. Father, we pray that we would come to know you as loving, as kind, as merciful, as gracious. Father, we pray that your love would abound in our lives. Lord, help us to be used by you. Lord, we love you so much and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.